Welcome to Talk That Talk. We have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music, education, and more. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also find us on all social media networks at Real Talk That Talk. And now, let's start the show. All right, let's get it. So let me do it the right way. If you're just coming in, welcome to Talk That Talk, where we have the unfiltered, uncomfortable, unscripted conversations about music, band, 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 HBCU uh, band culture, and more. Please make sure that when you come in that you hit that like button. Please make make sure that you smash that like button when you come in, all right? Also, please make sure that you subscribe to the network. If you go over to that YouTube channel, please make sure that you click that subscribe button because we got more and more content. I'm finalizing some stuff today. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody's in on what we got going on, man. We got a lot of great stuff going on. So please make sure that you subscribe to the network. All right, here we go. Me and Quan, we're gonna we're gonna make this thing rock. I'm gonna see if I'm gonna see if I can uh, do this moderator thing and still hold a good conversation at the same time. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna, I'm a, a triple task today. I don't know I don't, I don't know I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it work. All right, here we go. So. First topic on the floor. Athletics versus the arts. Mm-hmm. Who's retaining students and why? Athletics versus the arts. Who's retaining students and why? I'm going to go first. <laughs> Are you, you going to go first? You got it. <laughs> All right. So... So, so this is my overall take on it. So, and I, I hate to say this, but in my opinion, the athletics is winning. Uh, and I say that athletics is winning because most, most students that see the aspect of athletics, they see it as a paycheck. Like they're striving to get honestly to the league to take their family in and place them in a different situation and scenario. A lot of the students that look at band like they want to be in band, but they know that it stops at a glass ceiling. And I think also a lot of the times, bro, they they don't push the arts to see the overall benefits of it. They don't see it as a like a societal thing, how you can network with people behind music and, and the different aspects of the arts. They just look at it like it's something fun to do. It's some, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't, we don't push the arts like we should with athletics. For example, in the state of Texas, think about it. How much money is truly uh, given to athletics compared to fine arts? I mean, I know for a fact, think about this in the state of Texas, there are band directors that make six, I'm sorry, not band directors, high school football coaches that make six figures compared to your band director that put in either the same hours or possibly even more that makes possibly half the net. Like, so when you look at the totality of the whole thing, bro, athletics is winning. Think about this. Think about how many AAU groups they have, you know, at the age of seven and eight, all the way to 18. We, we, you know, we don't have camps and conservatories and schools like that in this country that I've seen. Let me say that, that I've seen that are pushing the arts like that. So when you have a pipeline of and feeder programs of athletes and whatnot, think about how many people are recruiting elementary kids from the Pop Warner field to their middle school, to their high school. And then they have schools specifically slated for the athletic aspect 
where kids, all they do is go to school and play basketball around this country. We don't have that for the fine arts. I mean, and so honestly, when, you, when you're stacked up against those type of odds, to a degree, how can you win? That's my take on it. All right. Um, I just honestly believe, and I, and I don't disagree with anything you said, but I just honestly believe that because there is not the vision of band mm -hmm. out there, then it gives it gives the kids nothing to aspire to, right? So, like, when I look at it, I think about if you think about in the eighties, band was big, especially in the African American community, because you still had actual groups who were performing with live instrumentation. You saw those instruments. You saw those people who were still performing. You saw those things, right? And that was an inspiration because these were your bigger, um, your bigger artists who were performing at that time, and they were performing with a live band, whether it was trumpet or saxophone or trombone or blah blah blah. Especially when you got into, um, or excuse me, as you moved to the '90s, you still had R&B groups who were active in, um, you know, music. And so when you had these R&B groups who were active you still had people who were playing live instruments. And so when you had that, you had people and you and you had uh, people who were able to see these instruments being played. So it gave a vision. You can go to, you can look at the NFL now, right? You can look at the NBA, you can look at FIFA, you can look at, you can look at tennis. Like you have all of these different avenues to be able to see, you know, these athletics being performed, but then you'd have nothing for band. So, I think that a lot of what you said, along with what I'm saying, too, is a, a contributing factor. I think that people, because they don't see a vision outside of, you know, what we tell them as educators, they're like, I'm good. I don't see the purpose in this. So, so what's up? What's up, Mario? Uh, I want to say good, uh, good afternoon. What up, man? What's going on with y'all fellas? What's up, Doc? But, but, but here, here's my thing, Julian, to add to that point, though. I think everything what you said is absolutely correct. But being honest, being a musician is hard in a different facet. It's hard. Like as a kid and what I realized about like last week, our conversation, the question was, are kids different? Think about this to a degree. You are willing to run up and down a football field or throw a baseball because you thought it was fun. Right. To truly, if you're a horn player to sit down, and truly develop your embouchure with that mouthpiece. It's boring as hell. <laughs> like, like real talk, like kids, like I'm dealing with that fine line. And I know Mario said it last week, like he was upset that he had to teach a, a song by rote. But to a degree, it's like, if I don't do something, I'm going to lose them. Because they want to play the songs that they hear these collegiate bands playing, but you don't know how to read syncopated rhythms. So, it's like our teaching style must be different to to keep them to make them fall in love with it, but also find a way to teach them proper pedagogy. It's and that's that fine line that's hard because honestly, to a degree, you have to sit down and and just learn the craft. There's nothing that you're gonna learn overnight as a percussionist, bro. When you teaching a child how to hold their sticks, and I need you to play this paradiddle. 
all they see is I want to do that's all they want to do. But I got to teach you, hey, this is one Eana. Your accent is on one. This is what I need you to do. And sometimes to a kid, that's Audrey's, and they don't have the patience for it. But they know for a fact, I may not be the fastest, but I could run in this direction and catch this ball. I could be on the team. All right. I don't disagree with you. And and one of the I'm a I'm a say this and I thought it was very interesting. Um I had a a um coach that I used to talk to at one of my old schools when I was at Beaumont. His name is Coach Caesar. And one of the interesting things that he said to me was he was like, Man, these kids don't care about no football. He was like, a lot of these kids just want to be seen. Mm. They just want to have a jersey on, you know, just just for people to recognize them and, and say, oh, you you on the team. Dope. You know, what I'm saying a lot of these kids don't don't even care. So I think that and a lot of what you said is true. Um, but I also believe that. Well, yeah, you're right. Never mind. I ain't going I ain't even going to go against it because. Yeah. Hey, Mario, what's up? You want to get in on this? Yeah, man. Uh, All right. Sorry. So, athletics versus the arts. Who is retaining students and why? Uh, neither, really. Um, I think that um, band, I mean, in the north, I mean, we have really, really poor athletics in some places and, and poor band programs. But if there's anything, hold on one second. If there's anything that is. Um, Retaining it probably is more athletics than than band, obviously, because we have like I think I heard you saying it before right before I got on the call, like the NBA, the NFL, having these professional teams, having college teams, being that um like Quan was talking about having being seen on TV in some capacity, that all allows you to be able to um um the interest is there because uh in the parents, even though a kid can literally get their arm broken or leg broken or something like that. They will still rather have their kids go and, and, you know, run on the field or do something like that with the slimmest margins of possibility that you would even make it to the next level rather than sit down and work on uh, a craft that you could um, that could allow you to get a scholarship in college much easier. Um, I mean, because if you can think about it, like most most HBCU programs, you, know, you if you play the French horn and the bassoon, you can almost write your ticket. You know what I'm saying? You, you're writing your ticket. Like, you know, what I mean, so if I if I'm if I am. Um, but if I play running back or something like that, like, you know, <laughs> that's you got to be extraordinary to be able to take that to the next level. So um, I just think it's really tough, man, for for all of us in general to be able to, you know, promote what we're, what we're trying to promote in our classrooms and, and our craft and get that to continue to go forward when we're constantly dealing with kids who um, don't want to sit like what Quan was talking about, like I was saying last week. You don't want to sit and 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 work hard at a like on something over time. It's like that overtime thing is just doesn't really sit well with a lot of kids. So they would prefer to do something that's going to have an immediate gratification. And and athletics, um, though there's still skill sets to it. That's why a lot of kids want to shoot the ball like Steph Curry. They want to shoot from three because it it takes more skill and patience to learn how to actually have the ball handling skills to know what you're doing to replays to know what's going on like. So I just think it's um it's it's a product of culture. Um, I don't know if it was like this in 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 uh in the seventies. You know what I mean? I wasn't born then, so maybe in the seventies they dealt with some of that that shift. I don't know. Maybe you had to have some old school heads on here to see if 
they felt like, you know, back in my day in the 50s, it was this way. And then when the 70s came, everything kind of went shit. So I don't I don't know if they feel like that. But I feel like the, sh the shift that we're having right now is really difficult to, to see where the light is coming. And I don't know what our future holds. And I don't want to go too far into the show, but I, I don't know what our future holds if we having difficulty with just being able to teach kids and like having them be interested in what we're doing. If y'all can't do it in Texas, what do you think I'm going to do in New Jersey? You know what I'm saying? Like what, you know, what am I going to do in New Jersey if you can't do it in Texas? And so Texas is like Texas, Florida. Those are like music States. So I don't know, man. Um, I think to answer the final question, just to answer the question again, but I think athletics is uh, retaining and the arts is struggling. Um, and so we'll see what happens in the future. All right. Um, Quan, any final thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, two quick things. I know one thing is, and, and I hate to say it like this, it goes back to our kind of topic from last week in regards to parents. I saw real talk a parent um, at a Little League football game fussing at another student about not being, about why she couldn't stay late for practice. But that parent was at Little League practice with the little brother. You know what I'm saying? It's like that goes back to a parent thing. And some some of the mentality, you know, trickles down to the kids of what's important. You know, like I said previously, some of them look at band practice as being, you know, a burden. But you're not saying that for man man that plays football. You know, that's that, that's one situation. Also, what it truly takes to sustain a adequate music program, a lot of administrators, they don't want to do that either. And that, you know, they'll, they'll rather like Mario said, the instant gratification of a football team to put your name in the paper will go faster. If you're district champs for a football team, than you making sweepstakes for your band competition, you know, and I, and I hate to say it like that. And then I guess, lastly, I think in the seventies and eighties, uh, we had a different music scene. So like you had your parents were listening to Earth, Wind & Fire. So when you was listening to those albums, you understood instruments and you, you know, had those feeder programs and systems that were set up for you to play like Earth, Wind & Fire. And now we just have digital aspects and they don't get the same look, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I definitely agree with what you said. Um, just to kind of give an example of that um i remember the school i was at they the basketball team won state and you already know how that is you know what i'm saying we got a ticket tape parade going on you know they go to state everything is everybody's everybody's on the names in the paper all that kind of stuff uh but i had you know some students who had uh i had a student who had made state uil and and um uh, other students who had gotten ones, uh, division one ratings and their solo and solo and ensemble contest. And we didn't get a peep, not a word, not, not a congratulations, not nothing in the school newspaper, not nothing, you know? Um, and we gotta, we have to look at that too, because I think that when we start looking about looking at how that affects the student as well, because our band students see the, overabundance of love and appreciation that these you know football teams are getting and and these basketball teams are getting but then they don't get the same 
uh, love back when they do something good or when they do something special. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I think that that I've had that exact situation happen to me, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that exact situation happened to me. Um, something to speak on quickly, man. I we we went to state championship, not not state championship. We went to the uh, state festivals for jazz band, um, the first school in the history of New York Public Schools to actually make it past regionals and, and make it to states. And um, in our first year, actually going to compete, first year. And um, when we when it was over, and we we got fourth, we got fourth, and this is fourth out of our state, man. Like that's a huge. If you know jazz in Jersey. I don't, it is, that is huge. Like our, for our whole division, it was like some heavy hitters in our division. The the people who were first in our division end up winning the whole states. They won states. They were like the best, they're the best in the state. Um, no one said anything. Literally no administrator sent out anything. No one said anything. I had to be my own advocate. I had to, and they sell us not to send out like mass emails. I had to send out a mass email to the entire school, just letting them know that, you know, kids in this school have another interest and they did it excellent on it. And, you know, just trying to let them know. So I had that exact situation and it, it broke my heart it, for, for the kids more than even myself, because their hard work was almost like it wasn't even noticed. And that really sucks for them because it makes it hard for them to want to keep doing the same thing. They feel like no one's ever going to acknowledge what they're doing and they're acknowledging their peers for winning a volleyball trophy or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a very different dynamic. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, and I, I just, you know, even just going back to the situation I had, my kids were my kids were really upset about it too, you know. Um, so I, I know exactly what what you're talking about, bro. All right, let's keep it going, man. Uh, welcome everybody to talk that talk. If you're just coming in, please make sure that you smash the like button. Go ahead and smash that like button as soon as you come in. What up, dude? <laughs> who you talking to Sorry. right right <laughs> but anyway please make sure that when you come in you smash that like button also if you go over to the youtube channel please make sure you subscribe to the network subscribe to the channel man we got a lot of stuff coming up and we want to make sure that you are involved with what's coming up also turn on notifications so that you can be caught up with everything that we have going on all right next one next topic Next topic. Mario kind of hinted on this already. And so I want to go ahead and bring it to the forefront. Where do you see fine arts in the next 15 years? Where do you see fine arts in the next 15 years? Mario, since you started to go ahead and take it. Yeah, I think you're going to see. Um, I mean, you'll see similar things. I don't want to be like um, into the world ish. You know what I mean? Like. I think you'll see some similar programs, similar things that you're doing now, just people struggling even more or similar as they are now. But I will I, I'll tell you what I do think is going to happen largely. You're going to see more um, supplemental education. So you'll see outside programs, nonprofit organizations, things like that popping up, I think, in the next 10 years um, where schools will rely more on outside um, outsourcing of music education rather than in in school teachers, because I, I think that. Even the use in many schools, you know, some music teachers are used as resource teachers. Um, some teachers are just like the fill a class teacher and they're music teachers and they have a degree just like everybody else in the building. But because the art form is sometimes not appreciated in certain districts, certain states, certain areas, regions and stuff, I think you will start seeing, well, a teacher said, well, this program 
this um, um, performing arts program here offers after school, you know, teaching for our kids. So maybe we can have them come in at three o'clock and do this from three to four. And that will supplant whatever else they could get in the. Yeah, so I think that's that's really um, what you'll probably end up seeing more um, than than just a regular classroom setting. You're already starting to see teachers uh, planning to leave the classroom. So many teachers and educators I know have left the classroom and want to start their own school. There's been talks of a number of people I, I know in this area wanting to get up their own nonprofits and kind of build that um, momentum towards being going to have control over what it is that they, they specifically want to do, you know? And I don't necessarily see it as a terrible thing. I just think it's uh, it's awfully um, unfortunate. It's just really unfortunate that we would have to go to those levels to be able to do those things. Owning a business is amazing, but to be able not to to not be a part of the general education of the school or to be um, almost uh, degraded to a level that doesn't seem like you're an equal to a math teacher or whatever else in the building. To me, that is a part of the issue. They wouldn't get rid of a volleyball coach or a golf coach, but they would get rid of a band director. And um, that shows not anything about who we are, but more about what their level, a level of appreciation and understanding is to the craft and what it actually offers our, our youth, specifically um, um, black and brown kids. All right, Quan, where do you see fine arts in the next 15 years? Uh, realistically, I think we're going to continue going through the ebbs and flows of uh, of, uh, of of our fight as music educators. Period. I think um, I think the arts and fine arts specifically, we're always going to have to prove ourselves, so to speak, of why we deserve a seat at the education table uh, overall. Um, however. Uh, I am going to, you know, be optimistic and say this because of podcasts and different things like that. I do believe you're going to have my prayers that we're going to have a new wave of educators that are going to come onto the scene that strive not only to be band directors, but eventually fine arts coordinators and directors that can change the uh, the overall aspect of of music, fine arts and drama theater and, and those other disciplines in a positive manner. Uh, I, I pray for that. Um, as well as once this next regime or administration of HBCU uh, um, department chairs transition out, I think you're going to see a different wave of education for how we teach and prepare our students before they transition to the real world as well. So I think um, realistically right now, I mean, from where we're sitting, I mean, it doesn't look you know, the best are you trying to be optimistic about it, but I think eventually it's going to get better uh, slowly, but surely. And like I say, do the podcast like this and just being aware. We always talk about being woke, but sometimes we're woke to the wrong thing. So, I, but I think eventually, you know, it's, it's going to turn around for the good because not being ugly, everybody can't run a ball. Everybody can't shoot a ball. And I saw a statistic uh, not too long ago that says I think 85% of students that tried for uh, a scholarship for band or music, they get it. They get something. You know, that's that's a whole a higher percentage than, you know, a, a athletic and no knock to them. But 85% chance of, of attaining free money, I'm going to take that chance. That's what I was talking about earlier, bro. Like the, the percentage is just way way more in favor for what we do 
and the ability to be able to do it on the next level than it is at athletics. It's only so many spots on the basketball team. Right. I mean, like, you know, but you can have people want to have as many band, like, you know, band members sometimes as they can possibly get, mm-hmm. you know, so if you can fill up 300 band members and you have 170 of them on scholarship, you got to, you know, you have the budget for it, you can do it. So right. it's, it's, I think it's obvious, but you know, I agree with you, man. But, I, but, I, think, but I think you got to, to, to truly do that. So what I've been doing and I've been preaching that to parents and kind of like what we said earlier of highlighting those kids, the two kids that I, well, the three kids that I have in college, I have them call when we have our band parents meeting and record and let them talk about their experience. Let them talk about how, you know, if they wouldn't have been in band, they would have been in, been able to afford college. I reach back out to those parents and say, hey, yeah, we got a what's called a refund check because they had so much, you know, scholarship money. And then the parents like the light bulb go off because I realize some parents, they don't even understand how much college costs because some of their their kids are the first generation uh, college students so they like my i was the first generation college student I'm, I'm out of my mother's children so she didn't understand about fafsa she didn't understand oh you got to pay that like right now like right right now are you gonna get dropped like it's things like that that he didn't know and if it wasn't for me having a band scholarship there's no way i would have been able to afford it uh to to attend school and some of the parents they don't know that so right right but, totally agree Totally agree. I think you I think you hit you both are hitting the nail on the head. I don't I, kids and parents are just oblivious to it, right? Because like I just I just had a conversation with a student, I want to say two weeks ago, where uh they were trying to figure out why do they need to even stay in band. You uh little euphonium player, really good by the way. And they were like well, I could just go to college and be a cheerleader. But I said, well, how are you going to get to college? And they were like, they I, they were like, I, I no, I asked. I said, are you going to get an academic scholarship? Are you going to get a cheerleading scholarship? Because those things are a dime a dozen. And then when I really started telling them, I said, look at the band programs at the university level. Do you think every single person in that program just walked in there with an instrument? No. You know what I'm saying? Most of those most of those kids, at least 50 percent of those kids are on somebody's university scholarship. Somebody's paying for them to be there some type of way. And then the light bulb goes off. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. So I think that a lot of the problem is we're just and and I'm not saying I'm not going to say we I'm going to say that the information is not out there for them to even know that it can be able to afford these kids an, an opportunity to be able to move on to the next level. They are just completely oblivious um, to that fact, because like you said earlier, Quan, the only thing that they see is athletics and they see the quick dollar, but they don't understand. And I always I, I tell I've told a lot of my students this. I told them, I said. You like you want to be a football player, right? You want to go to this school or you want to go to the school for football. They'll be like, yeah, it's like, do you want to go to a D1 school? Yeah. Uh Oh, so. You want to go to a D1 school. Yeah. Look at how many, think about how many kids on your team want to go to a D1 school. All right. Now multiply that times the kids in your town and the dip and the number of different high schools within the district that you're in. Think about how many kids on that, on those football teams that want to go to a D, to a D1 school. All right. Now multiply that times Texas. All right. Now multiply that times the United States. So your chances of getting that, 
are very, very, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but the, the, your chances of getting that is not as large as it is. If you just play your whole, your, your scales can sight read and, you know, play a piece of music. But then not, not to cut you over, but like, they don't want to hit it. Like I just saw, uh, I saw a, a email from, cause you know, emails in the NFL going around. What's crazy is, uh, I saw an email about uh, Josh Allen, the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. They say when he graduated from high school, he had no offers or anything. So he went to a junior college. He sent the same email to a thousand coaches and only one picked him up. One. And he was, he, he, the email stated, I'm 6'2, 210 pounds, and I could fit, I would be a great fit to your uh, offensive scheme. But we talking about kids that's like five ten who run a seven flat. Well, five six, <laughs> mad little stubby joints. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Try to, you know, and not athletic at all. You know what right. I mean? But we hating on your hope dream though. <laughs> right, right. You know, and you know what? I, I so I I guess I wouldn't be the music educator if I didn't say this part. I just I hate that it's always this or this. You know what I mean? I don't like the idea that it always has to feel like. Well, why can't you do this? I always feel like I got to be like a car salesman to kids. Like you're, like you're constantly trying to like, well, maybe you could do this. You know, this is better than this. It's like this to me in my brain, it sells itself. But in this current world, it doesn't anymore. And that's what that's what the part that we were talking about earlier. That's the part that kind of breaks my heart. Like you're talking about Earth, listen to Earth, Wind and Fire. The only thing that they have close to Earth, Wind and Fire, which is this is this is laughable is Bruno Mars. That's the closest thing they have to that. And that's not even anywhere near, you know what I'm saying, that caliber of musicianship because that's a bunch of, you know, appropriated music anyway. But you, you, you understand what I'm talking about. Like the culture of this, um, of the music style that we're promoting, it doesn't seem like it has a, an apex. There's no, where is the apex? Is it college? Is it is is marching in the college band supposed to be the ideal situation that you were supposed to look forward to from high school to college, or um, do we need some? I, I was thinking about this. Just a side note, I, I want to know what you guys think about this. Some of the we have a lot of new videographers. I've, I'm seeing more and more people um, posting videos about you know like they're recording marching bands and they're doing uh, small little shows and stuff. We had marching orders on Netflix. We're, I think we need more things like that, like a lot more. I think there needs to be some more things like that. And there also needs to be, and this may be far-fetched, but there needs to be a professional marching band. There needs to be professional marching bands. And I think it would be absolutely dope idea that a lot of people have talked about before, but professional marching bands would do great for what we do. And it would be an awesome addition to, I mean, people would be like, why would you have that? Well, you also have professional cheerleaders. You don't need that, but you have it. You know what I mean? You also, I mean, you have professional, different different people doing different professional sports that are not really watched, but people still support that. You know what I mean? Um, I know it would have to start from the bottom or or somewhat in a lower level, but it I think that would be an amazing thing for each NFL team to have, you know, um, professional teams, I mean, our professional bands and um, stuff like that. Like, you don't know why the Redskins have a band, but not like like a bunch of randoms just together. I'm talking about like a band that's that's a real, I mean, no shade, I'm sorry, the Redskins people, but you know what I mean? But a band that actually is like, um, you know, a high-step marching band in the style that we do, it's an open avenue right now. 
It's an open avenue. Yeah, I mean, I ain't want to, you know, whatever. But Mario, honestly, I agree. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I do. <laughs> she ain't here, man. We got it. We got Mario, right? <laughs> I but, agree. Uh, but no, I, I, I 100% agree with that, man. And that's that's something I've I've had conversations about so many times, man, because they don't see that. Not and, and I definitely agree. Like, what is what is the apex? Where where are we shooting for? What are we shooting right. for? All right. What up, Rick? Yo. Hold up. Let me let me let me do it the right way. Congratulations, young fella. Yeah. Yo. Congratulations, boss man. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me strike, strike again. Head is. <laughs> <laughs> so let me say this. So it's ace, it's, it was HBCU day, and every department had to represent. So the counselors, all of them graduated from Prairie View, so they took it. So we had FAMU. Oh, dope. Okay. That's, that's what's up. It's a nice sweater. Shout out to Sarah Derricka who provided it. Black owned business. Yeah, oh, go. you got let's 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 put my heart at the end because I'm trying to get me one too. Yeah, I need one of them bad boys. We, we all not not, not not in the fam colors, but I'm gonna get it in. Yeah, I'm good on the fam daddies, but I'm gonna rock the green and gold. I believe they got rock green and gold. gold. Yes, sir. You got green and yeah. gold. Um, real quick, um, Rick, did you want to get in on this or you good? You want to go to the next topic? What were y'all talking about, man? Where do you see fine arts in the next 15 years? <laughs> fine arts for who? Fine arts for who? People, what do you, what do you, you know? Are you talking about levels? Are you talking about university level, secondary? Is that what you're asking? And are we that? And are we talking about HBCU styles or just in general? I'm just well. I'm really just talking about the secondary level, but um, I'm just talking about all fine arts and well, music and band, fine arts, that kind of thing. But it's a secondary level. At the secondary level, it's hard to tell, man. It like I think it depends on where you are. I think it depends on what type of program it is. You know, my friend is a band director in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and his school not only has band and orchestra and choir, but they also have stage band, uh, stage shows. So, you know, he, his students have so many avenues of expression of artistry and music that they don't have a lack of resources. Whereas I know in the city I'm from, Portsmouth, Virginia, school I used to teach at. Well, when I was there, we I was the only fine art in the school. I was my supervisor <laughs> at my school because all we had was band. We didn't have we didn't even have choir. All these kids that were walking around the hallway singing, we didn't even have choir. They have choir now. So obviously somebody wants to see that program move in a different direction. I hope it does. But I think it's all about the investment that these cities and these states are willing to make into these programs. Y'all, the fact of the matter is what we do is expensive. And if they had to make a decision between buying one tuba for $6,000 and buying 10 computers for a classroom, they're going to make that decision. And I think it's, a, it's, it's tough and it's a hard pill to swallow for us as music professionals. But the fact of the matter is, y'all, we're in a field that is expensive. And to do this at a, a high level is time consuming. So it just like I said, it just depends on what you're talking about, what type of program you're talking about, where you are what you want the vision of the program to be and what the city is willing to invest in that program. In Portsmouth, everybody loves I.C. Norcom's band. I.C. Norcom's band ain't going nowhere. Like Derek probably got more job security than anybody I know because people love that band. And I think that there's bands like that all across, all across, you know, the country. So 
where is fine arts going? It's all in the in what these cities are willing to invest in these programs and the vision of the people that lead them. So. All right. All right, cool. Um, I'm just going to, since I kind of started off this way, I'm, I'm going to try to end it this way. Now that we got dang near everybody on the panel, I can kind of go back to, to the moderator side and, and post it now. But uh, but just to, to jump in here real quick, I don't know. I'm not too, my, my thoughts are not too bright uh, with the future. Um, and I'm just looking at how a lot of things are going right now um between especially when we're trying to keep up with you know data and uh test scores a lot of things are happening where you know we have these uh pullouts that are not supposed to be happening according to the ESSA but they're still kind of happening anyway um uh a lot of things that we were talking about last week as as it relates to STEM um, I mean, a lot of those things I think are happening uh, is happening. And 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 this is I, I, where I agree with you, uh, Rick, in certain areas um, that pulls away from these, you know, fine arts programs and these band programs, because the those communities invest more in those other things, those outside sources, these uh, P-TECH programs that we have going on. I don't know if, if you guys have P-TECH programs or you know what I'm talking about, but um, if you don't know what that is, it's basically, it's kind of like a, I guess you want to call it a college readiness course or a college readiness system to where they put these kids in these classes and they take college classes um, starting at around their sophomore year and when they graduate from high school, they are also graduating with an associate's degree. And so when that happens, when when people see that and that option is out there, well, usually how that works is in a lot of cases, it pulls those kids out of band because when they get to their senior year, they're at the university campus the whole time. When they're when it's in their junior year, they're at the university campus halftime. So that doesn't leave a lot of room for practice and all that kind of thing. So, but you know, so me, if you allow me to like the IB program here, international. Yeah, say, but, but my thing is this, man, and I, I, I got to push back a little. So you say these students graduate with an associates. So why isn't there a music theory course in there? Like how much advocacy from a that band director level and a a, a city supervisor level is being put into this. Are you going to the city council meetings to advocate for your for what you do? Like I, I think we like I, the doom and gloom thing. Man. I I know you disagree, Julian, but it's not. It's it's a lot of bands that's flourishing right now, and a lot of fine arts programs that are flourishing. And I'm wondering if what type of advocacy in these programs that you're talking about is being done from the directors to make sure that they're in the conversation. Like, are they, is there a national co or a citywide coalition of band directors that goes to city council meeting and advocates for, you know, what you, what directors want in those meetings? Cause that's the only way that's going to happen. So if there's a voice in the room, people, they don't know what they don't know. So I'm wondering like, do you see a lot of advocacy for upper level music courses in these um, P Tech schools and stuff like that that you're talking about. Uh, so to answer to to loosely answer that question, there is no advocacy. No, 
but the the only reason from what i've noticed is one because when they started these programs these programs weren't specifically geared towards um making sure that all of the things were encompassed within that right so i came into a system where that already was in place so i i had learned i had to learn about the system while also being a part of that system so that's the only reason why i know um now as far as what happens as far as these programs every school has a different um has a different focus right so there could be a p-tech program for technology at this high school whereas there's a p-tech program for we can say fine art at this particular high school and then there's a P-Tech program that's for science at this. So what ends up happening is it, it, these kids kind of, you know, if they if they want to be a part of those programs, they'll float to those particular schools, which pulls away from a lot of those different schools who do still have band programs. You see what I'm saying? So if that makes sense. So I get what you're saying as far as the advocacy for um you know directors and things of that nature for uh, specific programs but you know i don't see any advocacy happening um in these in these spaces or these areas so you're absolutely right on that part i don't disagree with you on that no well i guess because that's that's i guess that's my point though bro like we've we've become ex experts as professionals and i'm not talking about us on the call just in general our community let's say that have become experts on identifying the problem. But we are novices when it comes to actually finding solutions of how to fix it. It's easy to point the finger at blaming at some, at, oh, okay, this is the reason why. But it's going to take people sacrificing and going to the city council meetings and doing all these things that it takes to really advocate for yourself, you know, and your job and, and the importance of what you, you know, how we all feel about what we do. And I, Julie, I, th I thought Lauren hard about what you said in the last call, because I think it's right. I think you're right in that because I haven't been in secondary school since 2012, I think my view has changed. But I've been in all different types of band programs since then. I've, I've taught many high schools between them as far as clinics and stuff like that. And I've been at two major universities. And it ain't peach and key and peach and key at these universities either either one that I've been to. So I think that as educators, we all need to do a better job of advocating for ourselves and finding the way to do that. You know, especially at the secondary level, I know that's, that's tough, especially if your, your city or state is not a place that allows you to unionize. Like I'm a part of the union here in, in uh, Connecticut. So we absolutely have a voice in the decision making of our programs. A lot of states are not, you know, right to our unionized state. So, you know, finding a way to advocate for what you do and for your students, man, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had, especially on a, a disadvantaged program. Well, I know I, I know I got clicked on. Uh, sorry, Julie. I got clicked on, but I did want to say this, being from Louisiana in an area that I'm from, I know I can say this in regards to those P-TECH programs. A lot of the time, uh, they facilitate and, and uh, bring programs to those schools, honestly, that makes the schools or districts money. I know with, with the P-TECH situation, uh, even because my sophomore year in high school, 
working right there in that River Parish, uh, I'm sorry, attending school in that River Parish area, they wanted us to go to P-TECH school sophomore year. Like Julian said, by the time you graduated and with through your interns, you could graduate with an associate's and be making, you know, $30, $40 an hour. And so a lot of a lot of my classmates, that's what they jumped on. And many of them about to actually retire right now, uh, which is crazy. But some of a lot of those, that's what happens for these programs, you know, pending your specific area. But I do agree with Rick when he says we do have to begin advocating for ourselves. And I think the question is now is like, how how do we begin truly advocating for ourselves? How do we begin? Like you said, how could we develop a music theory course uh, or a pathway from um because I know here at my school, you have a fine arts pathway where you can take band all of those years if you plan on going uh, to college to participate in the marching band or concert band or whatever the case may be. That's just started this year. Um, and I do teach music theory here. Um, but we have not connected with the local junior colleges to say if you take these many courses of music theory, it's kind of like you get a few credits towards your uh, your degree. But I, but I, I think that's the question. Like how? Yeah, I think that's that's a question where you have to. It's going to be specific to each area because I know, like with AP courses, or um, what Mario was saying. I think you said it was it. Is it AP Mario? You call it there or B? The International Baccalaureate Program. They we yeah. actually had a music theory component to that program. Um, the person who was trained for retired and they didn't train anyone else. They didn't give me yeah. training. So I was supposed to be preparing, teaching AP to prepare people for IB. And um, they were supposed to, you know, get through that way. But then they just stopped it because then we let a person go and, and it just kind of turned on its head. But the original format of it was, was actually pretty good. It would allow kids to study with kids from abroad, from all around the world. And they were yeah. studying together. Yeah, and a lot of that, Quan, too, is people have to be certified for these programs, man, like, mm -hmm. because no college is going to take, you say, okay, I teach music theory. They want to make sure that you are following an actual certified curriculum and you AP, know what you're talking AP about. Yep. Right. So I think it's a lot there, Quan, but I think that is a question where, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be real. I'm going to keep it real. That's what we do on this show. A lot of band directors lazy, Quan. They want to go to work. They want to get that check, daddy, and then they hand on home. And then they tell, oh, what was me? They don't want to research. They don't want to do, you know, go that extra mile. And they may have other responsibilities, too. I get that part. But in order to grow a program, it takes a lot of things that aren't just sitting in a room and rehearsing. You know, you have to have a good business mind. You have to be able to raise funds for your band program in whatever way your city allows you to do. Like to be good at we what we do, it takes a lot, man. And I know that's another conversation, but the first part is identifying what works for your city, what resources you have, reaching out to the right people in your human resource office, saying, hey, what can I do? How can I get better? Finding out when your school board meetings are and going at university level, going to faculty senate meetings. Like that's These are all avenues that people can take, man, but they just either choose not to or they just don't know. And I remember when I was in college, Mr. Adams said, telling me you don't know is not a good enough excuse. There's too many people around here that's got the answers that you're looking for. So so that's the way that's why I look at it, even in my adult life, man. Ask the right questions to the right people. I would just say the only thing that I would say to that, Rick. Um, so I'm well, 
quick um, final point. Final yeah, point. yeah. Um, I am not um one of those lazy teachers. I'm working my butt right. up here up here in New Jersey, but I will say this. I know a lot of people feel like um if we have a, a room full of teachers and there's maybe one music teacher in the room, and then there's math teachers and science and English and social studies, none of those other teachers have to do any of the things that you're saying. They're getting paid the same salary, but they don't have to do all this advocacy and all this work and all this extra stuff. They don't have to do any of that. We do. And so that's the point. That's the part that everybody, that's the part that I hear oftentimes from other teachers. You get paid the same 75, 80 grand that somebody else is getting paid. And, but you don't have to do it. You can go home at the end of the day. This other person is having to, you know, jockey for kids fight against athletic programs, go down to city hall, meet with people, shake hands, kissing babies. You got to do all this shit. You run it for office being a band director half the time. That's what you feel like. And I have had to do all these things. And I'm saying, though I've, though I've done them, is that really, that's not that. So you're, you're, you're fighting for something, but that's not a playing, that's not a level playing field. And so I think when we talk about advocacy and trying to get us, are we trying to just, Make it happen no matter what, like like they like we talked about in a couple of shows ago. We just want to, you know, there is a way to make it happen. Bottom line, yes. But are we going to try to? Are we working towards evening the playing field with education, just in a regular school, just in a regular school? Why is it that one teacher has to work extra hard, another one doesn't? Those are some of the things that need to be discussed. If you're going to teach, you're going to have a subject offered, then there should be resources offered for the thing you're asking somebody to teach, period. And that's bottom line. But obviously, that don't all, that's not a per, that's a perfect world. And we don't live in that. So we do what we can to try to make it happen outside of that. But that doesn't make it right. All right. Hey, great way to close that out. Uh my gosh. All right. That, that went a little longer than I thought it was going to go. But if you're just tuning in, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about music education, band, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that when you're coming in, you're hitting that like button. Smash that like button. Pound it. Do whatever you can. Just go ahead and hit that like button. All right. And also, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you haven't uh, been to the YouTube page, go over to the YouTube page, subscribe to the network and also turn on notifications. We got some we got some uh, we have a lot of great stuff coming up and I want to make sure that everybody's a part of that. All right. Here we go. Next topic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep this one a little bit more, more simple than this last one. All right. Here we go. Um, so your opinion, like kids and babies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. In your opinion. Define a bad band. In your opinion, define a bad band. Uh, Rick, you, since you came late, you start first. Mm, okay. Um, a band with no expectations, no leadership, no vision. A band that is um, constantly not growing. Year after year after year, it's the same thing, just just a below average. A band that, that refuses to identify what their issues are and use them to build a plan of how to grow. Um, a band that doesn't play on level or doesn't try to play on level. And I, and I use that because I look at bands like Mario's. You know, all this, the challenges he's faced, I've heard his band, and his band can play. So 
a band that has no vision, you know, just always uh, feeling sorry for themselves. Oh, what was me? Band director been there for five years and you ain't gone from grade one to grade two yet. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Point really, five in it. Right, right. <laughs> oh, no, daddies. It, like, everything is in context, man, because let's say you're a band that doesn't play on level. So you're a high school band that's playing grade two or three music. After five years of you being there, your band should be getting close to playing grade four music. Like at some point, as a director, you're gonna have to stop making excuses because don't nobody care about our excuses. They all like they just don't. So all of those things, bad tone qualities, no intonation, no sense of dynamic contrast whatsoever, just everything loud, no articulations, none of the, the key aspects of what makes music music. You know, it was music. Tone, pitch, uh, time, and volume. Those are the four things that make up music. From there, you build upon them. So, you know, if it doesn't even resemble what somebody would call music, that's a bad band. And then I would say, finally, bad culture. You know, not having an a environment where people want to be a part of it. I was always told being was family, and I still look at being that way to this day. So having a culture that doesn't invite uh, people to want to be a part of your family, all that hazing and all that stupid mess, or having a, um, a um, program that's not that's not, um, not culturally diverse and um, societally diverse, you know, inviting for people that don't have, you know, what's considered normal. So all those things represent a bad band to me. All right. Quan, in your opinion, define a bad band. I mean, it's hard to come from behind Rick. He didn't say everything. <laughs> but I mean, just, right. to piggyback, <laughs> yeah, just to piggyback what he said, I mean, that's 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 really it. And I think for myself, you know, and I'm going to say this, on a, on a weekly basis, a lot of the things that y'all say, I take to heart because I think I'm the youngest director out of you all. Um, and I think you have to have a sense of humility when you're the youngest person in the room, sometimes you don't need to talk the most. So I want to say that first, but I mean, overall, a bad band, like Rick say, is a it's a band that, <clears throat> excuse me, that doesn't grow from year to year. I think being at this school, uh, my third year, we've grown. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, the, the, the reality of it is more, I think, as a director, you, you have to set your standard, like your standard and push your kids to meet that standard. So if you don't have standards and you just barely doing it, like in y'all words, to receive a check, daddy, well, that's that's a bad band. And I think it all starts with the leadership. Um, what is that vision? Does that leader have conviction about what he's he or she's actually doing on a daily basis? You know, do you see the growth in your students? And sometimes you have to take them small wins to see the bigger picture on a daily basis. Like um, for my students, I still have beginners coming in slowly but surely. And me, the type of heart that I have, I'm not gonna turn nobody around. But now I see my students, they like, Mr. Mitchell, can we go take him in the room and go teach him? Well, you know what, you are right. Like I see kids who they beat me to the school now to have their own rehearsals in the morning. Or I see a student walk around, they have their mask on, but like when they by themselves, they're buzzing in their mouthpiece. 
like, and aside from what the kids say, man, that's whack or whatever. Like, they're like, nah, this is our family. I see how the kids, we have a wing where if you're not in band, they don't let nobody on that wing because they're like, nah, this, this is our, like our sanctuary. This is our house. And so you see that culture being established where I'm at. So, you know, you got to take those those small victories. But I do agree with everything Rick said. You know, if you don't have a vision, you don't have a standard, you're not pushing them and to be a well-rounded program. And I think a lot of the times we keep talking, we talk about band a lot. But your program is your program well-rounded. You know, those are the things. All right. Chief, in your opinion, define a bad band. Um, everybody's covered it. I mean, everybody's covered it. It's not much left, but I would say um, just inflexibility too. Um, a, a lack of understanding of the students in the population that you teach. I think understand. My, I'm sorry, my daughter. She she lighting it up in the background. She's she having a fit. But um, yeah, the um, the idea that you can come in and whatever information you know and understand as an educator, you believe that you can just lay it out and it, and it'll work. You know what I mean? Like whatever you, you know, you can just kind of come in and put the baton up and it works. I had a um, shout out to Mr. Williams though. I had a, a 11th grade teacher that came in after one of the, the best music educators I've ever met. Uh, rest in peace to Mr. Benjamin Pruitt. Um, Mr. Williams came in after him and uh, Pruitt w- was a hardworking, like just lovable person. Man, you've never met another man. I do just everybody loved him, man. If you met him, you loved him because he was just such a nice man. And Mr. Williams came in after him when Mr. Pruitt retired. Mr. Williams came in and Mr. Williams expected to put his baton up because he's like, this cast tech. So I know it's going to be whatever, you know, but he didn't realize that these kids that you're teaching are still Detroiters. These kids still come from some really hardened environments and situations, and he was inflexible. And so he did not allow himself to um, reach the potential that he really wanted to or that I think was actually he was capable of as a musician because I think he was a great musician. But he didn't go to the lengths that he could have gone to because he didn't want to put in that extra work, that time to build those bonds and work with those kids in a way that allowed them to see him as a person. The reason why kids go through a big wall for somebody is they have to see you as a person. And sometimes that takes time to build because especially now in our society now where um, everything is very superficial, everything is very superficial. So to, to have genuine love and care for something and someone um, sometimes takes a little longer for our, for our kids that, I, that I'm seeing, that I'm, that I'm teaching. Because my personality has been the same since I've, I've taught, but I'm learning that I'm, I have to, I've had to adjust and, and change and tinker with things that I'm doing. And I'm finding that, um, you know, the kids aren't as open and willing to lay it all out like they used to. Like when I, you know, I could do my spew and everything and the kids be like, oh, Mr. Banks, whatever you want, I got you. You know, we'll do the da 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 da. And now it's like, uh, it's cool. I'll come to practice then. And, you know, it's like I've got to, like, keep pulling and keep pulling and keep pulling. Um, but the biggest thing, if I'm inflexible and I don't have what Rick, Rick talked about earlier is vision. You got to have a vision. People are following. What are they following? <laughs> what are they following? Where are they going? What are you doing with them? Like you should be like saying, even if the kids like say, all right, I'm doing whatever you're going to tell me to do, but they don't know where they're going and they don't know what you're doing or where you're going. And it's like, the, I've seen that with many programs with the directors, 
Um, they have their own internal like promises of, of success, but they don't explain to the kids where they want them to go. They don't show them, you know, tapes and video and let them hear and have a, a sense of musical sound and idea in their head of where that's supposed to go. You really got to really get in into the psychology of, of teaching and of people to be a great band director. So I think being a great band director goes to the last question, you know, outside of kissing babies and, you know, giving, you know, mayor speeches and stuff like that. You also have to be personable. You have to be a person that people like to be around. People have to want to be around you somewhat. They have to like, especially I know teaching in inner city, People don't want to be around you. I don't care what you know. You're not going to get past first base. So they, you have to have a likable personality in some way. And that's a that's a wicked web because you don't want to be, I need to be so likable that I'm just a homie and not the teacher. So it's this balance you got to kind of kind of keep keep, you know, keep together. But that's the reality of the new changing world. They have options. You don't. They have options. They can choose not to do this. What are you going to do? If you're teaching at a school, you gotta you gotta pick from these kids in the building. But Mario, you, you know do? what's crazy, bro? You know what's crazy? Just in in line with what you were just saying. Yeah, we always had those type of teachers growing up. Yeah, like think about all of us on this call. You always had a band director that you would walk through a brick wall with because you know a they had standards, but b they had expectations. Like I know you know Mister you know Mister Thornton at Willow Ridge. Uh, like think about Miss Sanders at, at Norfolk State. We all knew Miss Sanders loved us. It won't know if ands or buts about it. Right. Everybody knew Miss Sanders loved us. Call everybody baby. Hey baby. Hey Miss Sanders loved us. You know, to this like, day. We know Miss Sanders loved us. But we also know if we showed our ass up to her rehearsal and we ain't had that music right, yeah, you was gonna see the whole you gonna see Stephanie, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You all right. sound like hear this shit. Right. Right. We like we looking up there like they got the horn. I ain't saying nothing, bro. I'm not trying to get like that time she cussed Julie and I was playing that double G after she told him not to do it. Hey, let <laughs> <laughs> the good times roll. Was, you weren't gonna stop me from playing that G. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta get it out. I gotta get it out. I'm grown now. <laughs> but I think that's what every band director to me, man, looks like, man, needs to look like. Like being able to walk that line of cussing somebody out, both very, hopefully not, you know, for real, but figuratively, and then being able to be mom and dad right after that. So, but but I think what what will make well, first of all, what, what makes, in my opinion, a, a great band director. Is he truly feel like that this is a calling, like it's bigger than him? Uh, like I, I ain't trying to be funny. Like all great band directors that I've seen that have you know went on glory, like the people and the testimonies of what they've done, not just on the podium, but their character outside of those band halls, is the reason they gave us this great conviction that hey, I'm gonna follow you. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a leader of a flock, you know, regardless of what anybody say, like you're a leader. And so if that vision isn't written down in plain sight, where, like you said, where are we leading them to? And that personality makes them makes the students believe in him, even when they can't even see it. So, like, if you don't have that type of mindset of what you're doing, like you're not going to have a great band program. Like, think about like, you know, Dr. Gray's years ago 
And when he was a visionary and was like, I'm going to do this, uh, Dr. William P. Foster, and, you know, the band directors from Norfolk and whatnot, think about people possibly thought it was crazy as hell for what they were trying to do at that time. And think about 20, 30 years later, those visions that they conceptualized years ago is still into fruition to this day, even though they may not be here. Like that's what makes you a great band director and leader. So I think it starts, it starts with the director, because if you think about it, the attitude of the director is a reflection of the band. Because real talk, Dr. Greggs was arrogant. Every Southern person that you meet, I don't give a damn when they march. We the Kangs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. You know, but you know, that's that's their thing. Even if they went to Norfolk first. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> there we go. Uh all right. Uh we're gonna wrap that one up. Any final any final thoughts on that, Chief? No, I think we covered it, man. I, I really think that we we covered the bases and uh, we got even into the, the details of um, the other aspects outside of the podium that mean a lot to help us really kind of nail down what it means to be a great band director and, and obviously what the opposite is. All right. All right. Cool. Well, if you're just tuning in, welcome, everybody, to Talk That Talk. We have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music education, and more. Please make sure that when you come in that you smash that like button. All right. Please continue to smash that like button. Whether you're enjoying the conversation or you're not enjoying the conversation, go ahead and smash that like button. All right. Also, please make sure that you go over to the YouTube page and subscribe to the network. Subscribe to the network and also make sure that you turn on notifications. All right. We got our last one here. See, Rick had an easy night. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Is basing our university programs around marching, helping, or hurting? Is basing our university programs around marching, helping, or hurting? Chief. Um, The way the question is, pose it 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 assumes that everybody is doing that um i don't think everybody is doing that (laughs) um i think that the programs that do base their program on on marching band um it helps their goal because their goal is marching band but this the programs that have other goals and feel like it's important to the totality of the musician is important that's helping um the total musician which in turn will help the marching band and help all the other ensembles to flourish. Now, I think there's a, a, a larger thing there, though. Um, in 2021, marching band, um, how we and we had this conversation a little bit like, is the popularity changing? Is it still popular and stuff like that? But I think um, sometimes, like we talked about meeting people where they are. Some of these kids are at the, the level where marching band is their, their, their entrance. That's where you meet them. That doesn't mean that's where they stop. That's just where you meet them. Um, and that's where, you know, but unfortunately, when we're talking about university programs, no one should be coming in only focusing on marching band unless they're a non-major. No one should be focusing only on marching band there if, if, unless they're a non-major. And the non-majors are just doing it for fun, which is cool because that's it's an extracurricular activity. But for the majors who are taking it serious, they should be learning how to drill right. They should be learning how to arrange. They should be learning how to lead. They should be learning how blend and balance work. They should be learning about tonality, harmonic structures. They should be pulling all of that stuff away from their university brand program. So um, 
there's a lot to get from marching band. I mean, if your marching band is just um, blow that hole the whole time, then I maybe you're not getting as much. But when you do work on like like if you're like a Bethune Cookman, there's a lot to pull from Bethune sound. Like that can translate into every other ensemble. Real talk. So it just depends on what program you're coming from. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's um, the way the question is written. I guess I can, can see it um, in, in both sides. But to just plainly say, is it helping or hurting? I think it's. I think it's hurting because um, I'm going to always go from the position of a music educator and as a person who would, was a ma uh, major myself. So um, I think coming in focusing on music on, only on marching band definitely hurts. Um, but if you are just a person that come in college and I guess it's all right. I mean, cause that's your focus. The music majors should be leading their sections <laughs> and everybody should be following the culture of, of what they're, you know, music they're doing musically and everybody kind of contour around that. So that's kind of how I see it. All right. Quan is basing our university programs around marching, helping or hurting. Uh, hurting. And it's hurting because to a to a degree, like what Mario was saying, I feel like it's merely perpetuating the stereotype that that's all that HBCUs is doing. If we're speaking specifically about HBCUs, yeah. um, I feel that it's hurting because what I realize is that seventy to eighty percent of what you what you do as a music educator has has nothing to do with just say the rehearsal aspect of marching band. Uh, there's so much administrative uh, things that you have to deal with as a music educator that was not taught in school. Um, also, um, from a marching band perspective or just a music education, there's there's a lack thereof of teaching teaching students how to prepare. I think that's the biggest and hardest thing and downfall of a lot of directors and teachers is the lack of preparation, as well as the lack of of even knowing how to prepare for a rehearsal and how to prepare. Like I was talking to um, certain directors and, and, and as I look back, I realized that we didn't have to practice that long. Like in high school and in college, if we were better, if the director was better prepared for that rehearsal, like there's no reason why, like, honestly, as I look back, why we should have been practicing real talk, like from nine to like one in the morning. Why? Mm -hmm. And now we can't get up for that eight o'clock. So now we failing out. I mean, I realize that now, but if you, the very first person, Rito, uh, and I, I always look up to him is Dr. Nicholas Thomas from FAMU. He was a uh, band director at Prairie View for a year after Prophet was passed away. And this man literally had an agenda for every single minute that he stood on a podium. And when we got out of practice early, I was like, like, what are we supposed to be doing, y'all? We, we out of practice early. And that inspired me to be like, so how do you plan practices? And honestly, a lot of the time, due to we always focusing on the marching band, we don't know the intricate aspects behind the closed doors, which then, like we said in the previous shows, honestly rolls into you doing only what you know. So is marching band hurting us? It is because how are we teaching this student to be a teacher? Marching band really is only four years of your life. But you have 20 years, 20, 30 years of teaching. I mean, so if you only focus on that small snippet and you're not investing into those 20 years, I mean, what you really going to have once you leave? All right. 
Rick, is basing our university programs around marching helping or hurting? So from a university level, y'all, I want to build upon what Mario was saying. First and foremost, at the college level, even if your school doesn't have wind ensemble, there is not one music curriculum that builds their their program around marching band. Not one. <laughs> right. So that's a decision from the director of band. Because you can say whatever you want. Marching band is not the basis of FAMU's uh, band program. Dr. Chipman is a musician. That man is worried about that win on something. And it's a reason why they play with better timbre when then 95% of the bands out there. You know, I think Norfolk and Bethune could give them a run for their money, Prairie View on a good day. But it's a reason why, because there aren't any schools really, y'all, that marching band is the sole basis of the program. That's a, uh, a calculated decision. But I think what people don't realize is marching band is what gets dollars in the door. It just is, man. Like, the only way we're able to give these scholarships to students is through marching band. Because from it's just like football. People always ask, man, why are we pumping millions of dollars into football? Because football makes money. When ensemble concerts, most schools, I know HBCU, they don't even charge. We charge for our, our concerts here. And they're not bringing in any huge money, a couple hundred dollars maybe. You know, so from the standpoint of what gets dollars and students in the door, the thing that marching band does, does that is good is that marching band is usually the biggest recruitment tool for every music department at HBCUs. You staff your one ensemble and other ensembles from marching band for most schools, you know. So it gets an opportunity, like there's a, usually a travel budget when you're recruiting so you can get out. Um, but it's what Colin was saying. These directors have to have more of a, a forward-looking approach to what they're doing. When I go out and recruit, let's say I go out, I'm not just looking for a good saxophone player because they can play saxophone in my band. When I pass down a saxophone um, feature or something like that, and when I'm something, I need them to be able to play it. Or recruiting an oboe player that also plays trumpet, or recruiting whatever bassoon player that also plays clarinet in the marching like being smarter with the way you recruit instead of using that as an opportunity to take a vacation, which is what so many people do. You know, so I think that there is an opportunity there to to really figure out what's important, but I think that overall. I don't know of any programs at the university level that are built around marching men. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, not many. Yeah. That was the only reason I mentioned that earlier because that there was, there was the ones that I thought of, they don't have a football team and I never seen anything else from Talladega. So I just threw them out there. Well, and like Ohio state. So Ohio state's marching band is separate from the music department. Right. Like they have their own building and everything. So they're another one you could say is specifically for that, but they still have a music department. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. the other half of that is secondary level. At the secondary level, if you're building your high school your high school or middle school band around March band, you deserve to be fired. Shots fired. You deserve to lose your job. Because what about armature development? If you got a kid out there just blowing their face up, car, what's up, bro? 
Um, if you out there just have a middle school kid, like we talked about earlier, the middle school marching bands, that is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. A kid can't play a middle C in tune, but they can go out there and blow as loud as they can playing. Uh, nobody does it better. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, I know, like you said, Julian, earlier, a lot of bands, they look at bands like these bigger bands, and that's what they want to be. That's what's good to them. But you had to learn something in college. I'm sorry, man. Like, it's just we're at a point now where it's just getting ridiculous. So from a secondary level, if they're doing it, yes, it's destroying these programs, and that director should be moved out of the way to get somebody in there that's competent, that's going to actually teach them kids and do the right thing. At the university level, I don't know. I don't think any are built off of it. So. All right, Quan, any final thoughts? Uh, other than, man, just be a lifelong learner. I kind of had a situation that took place today. I don't want to go in detail, but it's like <laughs> the situation just taught me just continue to be a lifelong learner. You don't know everything, and it's okay to not know everything either. All right, bet. If you're just joining us, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music education, and more. Please make sure that when you come in, smash that like button. Go ahead and take some time to smash it. I'll give you about three seconds. Go ahead, smash it. All right, cool. Appreciate you for smashing that like button. Uh, also, go over to the YouTube page, subscribe to the network. Uh, make sure that when you subscri subscribe to the network, you turn on notifications. All right. I've also put a link in the chat. Guys, if you're in there in the chat and you want to come in and chat with us, have some of the conversations with us, uh, get in on any one of the topics that we had, go ahead and click the link. Just remember that the um, your camera must be on. And also, hey, one of the things I don't really care about, I don't really care like if you're at work or something like that. Just, just come on in. You're good. All right. Um, hold on. Let me. There we go. There we go. I just wanted to go ahead and put that up there. I just saw that. It just popped up. I, while we're doing that, though, uh, I do want to take this time again to say happy homecoming, Norfolk State. Uh, and everybody that's having homecomings right now, you know, much respect to you. All the HBCUs is having homecomings, but definitely Norfolk State. That's why I got my shirt on right now. Norfolk State University, Spartan Legion, Behold the Green and Gold. Behold. Behold. Yes. Uh, you know, wish we could be there. Me, Mario, and Rick, I'm pretty sure all three of us wish we could be there. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, but much love and respect to everybody who's having your homecomings this week, next week, and the following weeks, man, please be safe out there, mask up, do what you need to do. Uh, don't go out there and try to catch nothing while you sitting up there trying to catch something. If you understood what I meant, you understood what I meant. All right. So, uh, <laughs> if you ain't, if you, if it ain't, if it ain't ring for you, you, all right. Um, but real quick, uh, I want to go ahead and get to the stuff that we usually what's up rick homecoming season is duck hunt season exactly exactly <laughs> you caught it you caught it I, um, I do want to uh take this time to get to playing squid games with the genitals <laughs> squid. <laughs> squid game with you oh lord all right uh real quick i do want to get to what we always talking about 
uh, generally towards the end of the show when we give all the promotions out. So first of all, I want to always say, make sure that you go and get you some of that all season. I'm always talk about this season because the season is dope and it's my LB season too, but it's not just because it's my LB season. It's probably one of the best seasons that I've ever had. Um, he's got a lot of new stuff that's out, man. So please go make sure you check him out. That's a little love. That's all you can, uh, you can look him up on Google or you can find him on Facebook. All right. Also, uh, October 30th, right, Rick? Uh, actually I wanted to say, yeah, October 30th, but uh, in Houston, but there's another one too. So go ahead. No, you you got it. Uh, Yeah. October 30th. Well, uh, now everyone, October the 23rd in Atlanta, Georgia, there will be um, the same type of competition. So if you're in the Atlanta area, October 23rd, go out, check it out. It's on the U.S. Band's website, but there will be a show-style band adjudicated competition in Atlanta. And then the following week will be in um, in uh, Houston area at Prairie View. So, guys, if you are in those two areas, Texas or Georgia area, come out, man, and support these great bands coming out to get true adjudication and to try to make our band program better instead of just talking trash about each other. Let's actually go out and support one another uh, and support these great kids that are going out just trying to do something positive. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, And also, let me quickly talk about it. Quan right now is being the spokesperson for it, but we got the information for it. Exclusively HBCU uh, was the place where Quan has gotten that uh, dope sweatshirt from. And if I'm not mistaken, you said that she is a soror, right? Right, she is. So shout out to, I, I know I'm tagging on Facebook as we speak, but shout out to Sister Derica. Uh, really, really good chick. Graduated from PV as well. Sister Derricka Shelton, uh, she is, uh, and her other partners have exclusively HBCU. Go on, check that website out. Hit them up. Uh, Black-owned business, they're doing their thing. They have Dope Degree. They have Divine Nine. They have specific HBCU boxes. Uh, so go on, hit that subscribe subscription from what they have, and go on, check out their website. Yeah, that's exclusively HBCU.com, as a matter of fact. I just want to make sure I tell you that. So that's why not only do we got the logo on the screen, but that's exactly how you type it inside of your URL. It's a, Or you can go Google search it, exclusively HBCU.com. Also, please remember, uh, if you want to get in on the live with us at any point, please make sure that you click that link uh, that you can get in on the live with us and have the conversations that we had. All right. Uh, are there any other announcements that I may have missed? Oh, and Rick, I got to get your, your thoughts on this week, uh, battles, if you had any, or Chief, either one. Man, to be honest, I didn't watch any. I go. I'm, I plan on watching the Southern versus Texas Southern. This has been a busy week for me, so I was not able to catch some of these battles with all, everything else I had going on, man. But God is good, and I thank God for all the blessings he's blessed me with this week, man. And um, I'll go back and check out some of this mess. <laughs> hey, I personally want to say congratulations, bro. Like, hey. talk. like congratulations. Peace and blessings, bro. Thanks, bro. Yeah. I it. Well deserved, Rick. You do your thing, bro. Well deserved. I had to make sure I give you the applause and the air horn. Right. We we. Yeah, just to let our audience know, that's the announcement I was going to share last week. 
but I um, I hadn't been officially announced yet, but I am now the new caption head of the Mandarin's Drum and Bugle Corps out in Sacramento, California. Much love to the Blue Coats, man. I enjoyed my nine years there. It was amazing. Um, and before that, I talked to us for two years. So all those great organizations, thank you, man, for leading me to this point. And uh, now it's time to take the Mandarin's to the next level, man. And that's what we're going to do. Let's do it. I can't wait to. I can't wait to hear them. I can't wait they're, to. They're war class too, right? Yeah, man. Uh, our last finish was tenth place, so we're a final score as well, and we're trying to move up, and that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, my favorite core now. Yeah, man. I, um, I hate to. I hate to be like. Well, I got slightly negative news, but it 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 gets better. So, um, it'll get better. So Friday, um. Right before we had our football game, two of my students were hit by a car. Um, broken arm for one kid and a broken ankle for another. Um, he, they were hit by a um, Essex County Sheriff's officer in a school zone. Um, so it's like a lot was going on with that. I had to get in the ambulance. It was like blood everywhere. It was, it was a scary scene. Kid had his head wrapped up, um, went to the trauma center in the hospital with them. I was with them the whole time, both kids. And um, just want to report the good news that both kids are back home with their families. They're healing up. Um, Cat Skin uh, said that the kid who got the um, was the worst part of it all. He doesn't have any internal damage. Um, I'm just just thankful to God, man. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been that scared as a band director to see one of two of my kids laid out on the ground right in front of me um, and see blood everywhere. It was just, it was a bad, 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 bad day. Um, but just in um, 72 hours, they're doing much better. They will be on crutches for a while uh, for one and the other one will have a cast and stuff. So um, we're just, you know, just keep them in your prayers, man. That's, that's that part. Um, so I'm just I'm thankful to God because things could have been so much worse. And the fact that they weren't, that's that's all praises go to Jesus Christ, man. I just thank God. So hey, I just like, Eco. Hey, I'm telling <laughs> you. Uh, yeah. I ain't even want to go there, Camille. I already said it. I know if it was my kids, somebody ain't somebody ain't paying for college. That's all I'm saying. Hey. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's uh sorry to hear that, but definitely glad to know that your students are okay. Um yeah, I'm not even gonna keep on diving into that. But it was tough. I'm a yeah. I just just the, I'm glad the kids are better. So that's that's that's, that's what matters most. That's right. What matters most. Right. All right. Um. Anyway, before we get out of here, let me go ahead and go around the room. Rick, anything you got for the culture? Uh, support black man. I'm gonna keep saying it. I'm gonna say it every single show, man. We want to improve our our situation and condition. We must support each other. Also, man, um, with all these homecomings and stuff like coming up, man, especially with Norfolk State, shout out to Norfolk State, shout out to the um, Pure Gold Pi Gamma chapter, the Ruthless Romeo chapter, I'll find you out for all these great groups, man, and all these chapters and, and great friends that are going to come together this weekend. Get down on your knees and thank God that we're able to do this at some point this week, y'all, because it could have been so much different. You know, with all these other HBCUs canceling homecomings, some of us actually get to see our friends we haven't seen in a couple of years. So I just want to thank God for being great. All right. God is a great God. So 
thank you God for that. And thank you for the great friends like y'all to be able to have these tough conversations, man. Hopefully in the future, we're able to have some, some positive conversation about them, but that's another subject. But, um, thank you for you guys, man. And, and uh, have a great night. All right. Um, Quan, anything for the culture? Uh, again, y'all, like I said, I give people their roses while they, you know, alive. Thank you, gentlemen. Like I say, man, a lot of as being the youngest band director here, a lot of the things that y'all say I take to heart and I take serious. Um, and I, I'm just thankful that honestly, I'm in a position where I'm still learning, I'm still growing. We still pushing. Shout out, really talk to my band students of the Marching Pride of Sunnyside Band. I'm gonna chat that with them. Uh, honestly, for trusting in me, like I said, the band is growing. They pulling kids, you know, out of the hallway. You need to be in band, and you know, and they believe in me. So I thank God for that. Um, shout out to uh, City of Houston, man. I, I, I think we're gonna bring bands back. That's my hope and prayer and faith. And uh, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. You know, for this podcast show because a lot of it what we're saying is the unadulterated truth and lastly band directors and teachers bro hey go to therapy that mental health is real go to therapy man all what we deal with all what we honestly take on from our kids go to therapy mental health is real 100 i can't even that hold up let me let me do it the right way because she ain't here hold up there we go i agree all right Cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> Chief, any, anything for the culture? Any final thoughts? Yeah, man. Um, I um, live intentionally, bro. Um, after seeing what I saw on Friday, um, it just makes me way more appreciative to everything, everybody, and every situation. Um, I don't celebrate enough. I don't even – sometimes I feel like I'm advocating, but I could advocate even more. I started off – I had 12 kids in band camp. Um, all young ladies, six dancers and like some one horn player. And it was just like a, you know, bad news bears, man. And um, it, we have 48 now, <laughs> 48. So numbers increasing, man. I'm, I'm building, I'm building. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about the future of it. Um, I'm starting from scratch, man, but I like it though. So I'm excited about that. Um, I did not speak about I, I wanted to say the return to Southern Jesus Christ my God I, I haven't heard Southern play I mean maybe I just ain't been listening but that Southern that I heard against that Southern was was on one so I will definitely say shout out to Southern because they was going crazy on Texas Southern and so I was enjoying that for sure I enjoyed I watched that twice I was like Jesus Christ so I'm gonna have to watch it now I throw love I throw love I throw uh, I throw love when it's when it's when it's when I feel like it's legit. I throw love, and I, I'm I was like, damn, Southern was going crazy, <laughs> and it was just a stand battle. So that's all I saw. I ain't seen no half. They ain't even had no halftime clips. You know, them bands don't care about that. So, um, <laughs> but it was just it's cranking it up though. Um, yeah, man. So I'm just saying, man, keep a keep a prayer out for these kids, man. Um, hug your loved ones. Hug your loved ones. As soon as I get off this call, I got to get with my kids. Give me a kiss on the forehead and uh, just let them know that I love them, you know. And so don't take for granted any days you have because stuff can be taken away from you in a swift, swift, swift 
moment. So that's all I got, man. Hey, man, we we getting real emotional and heartfelt tonight. You know, I, you know, I, I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna get real emotional if you mute my microphone again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to hear you, bitch. Right. Shout out to Boo Boo Kitty, Captain Miss Cuddleberry, wherever you are. We miss you. I agree. <laughs> Hold up, and then let me let me do the other one. Hold up. What's good, ma? All right, there we go. All right. Uh but yeah, we getting real emotional here. Uh, but no, um, one of the things that I'm gonna say, I'm actually gonna kind of stay on the same topic, but also go somewhere else. Um, one of the things that I'm gonna talk about actually is is along with <laughs> along with mental health and all that kind of stuff. Hey, just take care of yourself. Um you know, I'm gonna mute you in this man in this past week, man. Uh, it's been real interesting for me because I had an eye infection and I didn't even realize how bad an eye infection could actually get. Thank God my situation wasn't horribly or horrible, but people were telling me like how bad eye infections can really be. So, you know, uh, I, I had no clue. So I had an eye infection. I didn't I didn't have an eye infection for the last four days. Um and and actually, I went to work and didn't even realize I had an eye infection until I, the nurse had to tell me I had an eye infection. They was like, go home. So uh, with all that being said, man, just take care of yourself, man. Just please take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, man. Just please, for the love of God, take care of yourself. Uh, whatever that means, man, whether it is the mental health, whether it's eating the right foods, whether, you know, it's waking up in the morning and just walking or doing something, or even when you know you got a lot on your plate, just say no. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say no. You know, you are not going to please every single body, every single person. It's okay to say no, you know. Um, and that's that's no different than you know, this show. You know, I, I love everybody on this panel. Um, you know, I love Maya and, and everybody who who comes and attends this panel. But if they hit me up I'm like, yo, bro, I can't make it, I'm not gonna be like, Hey, you gotta get on. No, I'm not gonna be like that. I'm gonna be like, Hey, it is what it is, bro. I, you know, go do what you gotta do. So, you know, it's okay to say no for the for the sake of your health and the sake of, of, of your livelihood and your well-being. So uh, that's that's one of the things that I want to say. Also, uh, please make sure if you're still watching, if you're still live with us, when you come in and, and you're watching the show, you be prepared to possibly go live. Man, I would love to actually converse with a lot of you guys outside of just talking to you guys in the comments and hearing what your thoughts are. So, you know, a lot of times when we put that link up, man, be ready to go ahead and click and come in. You know, we are this is a welcoming space. If you got something negative to say or if you got something against uh, whatever we have said on here or whatever the panel has said, that's OK. But the only thing I'm going to always say is stand on your square. You know what I'm saying? If that's what you feel and, and you and you hold strong to that, most definitely, Mario, if you hold strong to that, then stand on your square. You know what I'm saying? defend your position that i'm gonna always say that i'm gonna always say that De defend your position don't change up just because somebody that came in here was like hey you know you know don't do that okay but just be prepared to come in and have a conversation all right uh with that being said though it's time to go ahead and get on out of here i appreciate every single person who came in and chatted with us uh in the chat room please make sure that you come back on next wednesday oh man my thing messed up Golly. oh Real quick, Mario, to uh, piggyback off of what you were saying about Southern, uh, just to really quick, quickly get this one in here. I said this to Quan earlier, and I'm going to say it to you. I think that I, I I ain't never seen Kendrick Taylor act like that before. And I, I just had me hype. It had me hype. Personally, I, I got hype. 
I don't know if it's it's some beef there or what. It got me hype. I can't front. I got hype. I will say I've never ever seen him since he's been in front of in front of Southern that hype before. So yeah. I don't know. We, we, we may be on to something, but I don't want to speculate. I, want, I wanted to tell that boy talk your shit. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> For real. I mean, and, and, and real talk, man. Um, you know, it, he he may have been feeling that kind of way because you know a lot of people were like, well, you know, since Southern, Tim, yeah, so, Southern ain't gonna be the same. Yeah, that, they, they say the pen gone, the pen gone. Yeah, so you know, he, he was in there, he was in there hype, but you know, I don't know. We'll talk about. It. I don't know if we're gonna have an after hours today. If we are, you'll you'll see us. If not, it is what it is. But until then, man, I appreciate everybody for joining us. We will see you next Wednesday, seven fifteen. All right, appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to Talk That Talk. Find us on social media outlets and YouTube at Real Talk That Talk. Talk That Talk is a brand of the Passion Is Network. You can contact Passion Is at passionis1919 at gmail.com. If you would like to contact the panel of Talk That Talk, email us at realtalkthattalk at gmail.com.